We're going to turn to Psalm 118. Hallelujah. We're going to go to verse 6. Let's read this out loud together. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? Amen. The word will is one of the strongest words in the English language. The Lord is on my side. That means, therefore, we have a choice. We have an option to not fear. Amen. But to be in faith. So today we're going to talk about fear and how to overcome its control. Fear is Satan's strongest weapon against faith to stop us from receiving all the promises of God. And with Satan, it's all about control. Okay? With Satan, it's all about control. If you try to think of one thing at his disposal, anything that he could confront you with, anything he could, uh, you know, come against you with, any way he could uh, try to contain you or stop you from moving forward, or he's not so interested in driving you backward as he is just keeping you where you are. Containment and control. Anything negative that could come against you, you try to think of one thing, that fear is not attached to it. And you'll have a hard time thinking of anything that Satan can come against you with that fear is not attached to it. That's just how much he's reliant upon it. As believers, we cannot be complacent about fear. Our ability to overcome fear is a major factor in determining whether we're victorious Christians or we're defeated Christians. So by getting some knowledge about how Satan uses it and how we can overcome it, then we never have to be defeated again. Amen? Amen. And we don't have to settle for less than God's best. Now we won't, I won't have you turn to all these scriptures today just for the sake of time. So you, you can jot them down if you want to. But 1 John 4.18, you know what that says? That perfect love casteth out fear. So when we get a revelation about how much God loves us and what He did for us, the great length He went to provide all these things for us, then that helps to drive out fear. Just getting knowledge about how much God loves us uh, does a lot toward driving this fear out of our lives. So let's turn to 2 Timothy 1. 2 Timothy 1. 2 Timothy 1, 7. Let's read this out loud together. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Now other translations um, 
of this verse use the word uh, coward and timid. They include the words coward and timid. So, so it refers to timidity and cowardice are, are included in the force of fear. Now, uh, I'll give you the uh, dictionary definition, but I don't think that's really required. I think every person in this room and every person on this planet doesn't have to go to the dictionary to find out what fear is. Most people are very well acquainted with the force of fear. But uh, it's a panic that grips a person, causing them to run away, be alarmed, scared, frightened, dismayed, filled with dread, intimidated, anxious, and apprehensive. Now the Greek word that's most commonly translated fear is the word phobos, or phobia. It's where we get our English word phobia. That's the word most commonly used. And it originally meant flight, which, or that which may cause flight. It's best understood as that which is caused by the intimidation of adversaries. Intimidate means to make timid or fearful, to discourage or suppress by threats of violence. Not so much the act of violence, but just the threat of it is all it takes for, for fear to come in. That, that will bring fear on the scene. Fear is the reverse of faith, and it produces the exact opposite results. Fear is a negative magnet. You know, in Job, he said, that that I greatly feared has come upon me. So it, it's, it activates Satan to work in your life the way faith activates God to work in your life. Fear brings undesirable things to you from Satan, from the dark side, and faith uh, enables God to bring the good things that He's promised us to us. So where does fear come from? Well, you know in Genesis, God created Adam in His own likeness and image. And within Adam, God placed all of the uh, spiritual forces that resided in God. Love, faith, uh, wisdom, uh, righteousness, all these forces of eternal life that were in God, God placed them in Adam. But when Adam bowed his knee to another God, Satan, and he made Satan his God, Satan moved in and he perverted and turned upside down all these spiritual forces so that they began to work in reverse. So what had been faith was now fear. And what had been righteousness was now sin. And what had been love was now hate. He, he, he just perverted everything God created uh, and began to use these things in a destructive way to, to destroy man and the earth and everything God created. Because Satan hates you, he hates God, and anything that has anything to do with God. And so he, he began to pervert these forces. <clears throat> now Romans 8.2 outlines the two spiritual laws that are operating in this earth today. It says the law of the spirit of life 
has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now these are the two laws that are operating on the earth. And every single person on the face of this earth is living under one of these laws. And unfortunately, when many people get born again, through lack of knowledge, they continue to live in, under this law. And many times they don't even know it. They don't even know how they're managing to perpetuate it because Jesus has redeemed us. Colossians says He's, he's uh, delivered us from the dominion of darkness and He's translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. So we change kingdoms, but from a practical you know, living standpoint, many Christians continue to live under this law of sin and death and fear is one of the things that Satan uses to keep people right here. Because it's all about control. So from, from a victorious standpoint, many Christians are still dominated by Satan. And they're operating under the law of sin and death. Now, uh, let's just look at a few of the common fears. Uh, I may not have you turn to all these scriptures, but uh, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 15. Just some of the common things that uh, people are confronted with. I was working uh, down in Southampton, you know, a couple of months ago, and uh, I was working at this bench, and two ladies sitting behind me, they were working another bench, and our backs were to each other, and they were just talking out openly, and I began to hear what one of the ladies was saying and she was talking about her husband who's retired or semi-retired he wants to do a lot of traveling and apparently they've already done some but he wants to do more traveling overseas and this lady from what she was saying she is just one step below hysteria when it comes to getting on an airplane and I felt so sorry for this lady I mean you could tell I mean, it, it was just totally irrational. She knew it was irrational. She, she knew there was no reason. I mean, you're probably safer in an airplane than you are in a car, you know? But, but uh, and she went on to, she's had drugs. She's had medication. I think she's had hypnosis. I mean, she's had everything to try to get on an airplane. And even when she gets there, she can't enjoy herself. You know, I guess she's, Fearful, and she's got to get on the thing to go back, you know. But, but uh, I just felt so sorry for this lady. I have never heard of anybody so tormented, uh, you know, o- over a thing. But I'm sure she's probably very fearful about a lot of other things as well. But, um, you know, so, so the fear of death is a common fear. But uh, for us believers, that's a different story. Amen. 1 Corinthians 15.54 says, So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? So you remember uh, in the Old Testament, Moses threw his rod down and it became a serpent. And uh, Pharaoh's magician said, big deal, we can do that. So they throw their rods down and they all became serpents. 
But the rod of Aaron swallowed up the, rod, the serpents of the magicians. And that rod was an Old Testament type of Jesus, the Word. And the Word swallowed up the devil. Amen? He defeated him on the cross. That was just an Old Testament type of what was going to happen on the cross. Amen? So Jesus has swallowed up death for us. And, and verse 55 says that um, he's even taken the pain out of death. For a believer, uh, you know, we're just going to move address. When we, when we you know, if, if the Lord tarries, if He tarries, and, or if He delays His coming, and, and, you know, we do pass away physically, we're just going to change address. That's all that's involved yes, for a believer. Right. Yeah. So we don't have a reason to fear death, but we're not going to let the devil take us out of here prematurely before we finish our race Amen. either. Amen? Yeah. So we're going to live to be an old age. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. The Bible says Moses was old age and well stricken in years and the Lord had blessed him with many things. Amen? Yeah. So that's God's will for us. Let's we turn to 120. Yeah. yeah. I don't I'm not sure exactly. He was well over 100. I'm not I don't remember exactly. It may have been 120 he lived to be, but I'm, I'm well he was 100 when Isaac was born, wasn't he? So he he's definitely well over 100. Yeah. Let's turn to Hebrews, and we get another scripture that we've been delivered from the fear of death. Yes. Hebrews two. Hebrews two. Fourteen. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them, or us, who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So the Lord has not only delivered us from the fear of death, but the pain of death. Amen? And even if we, you know, whether we go in the rapture or whether we pass away physically, you know, even when we go to heaven, we're just going to be there temporarily. We're going to come back down here. God's going to move heaven back down here. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's look at another, uh, let's look at the fear of man. Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29. I'm not, not turned all these for, just for the sake of time. I'm just, I'll read some of these, but uh, Proverbs 29. Over there. Verse 25. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Uh, I'm going to turn to Romans 8.31. 
What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who should be against us? Amen. Hallelujah. And let's, if you're, uh, let me run back over here to Hebrews 13. Uh, five. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Amen? There's the word will again. We, we have a choice. Will is, you know, that's an act of your will. We have a choice. God says He will keep us safe from anything evil men might try to bring against us. And Jesus said He would never leave us nor forsake us. So we never have to fear what men will try to do to us. Amen? We saw your son didn't have to fear what, what man could do to him, you know. Uh, he turned it around for Peter, you know. The man tried to back out on him. Well, he just didn't get the opportunity, did he? <laughs> Amen. Second uh, Corinthians two. Second Corinthians two. But it's all about making that choice, isn't it? Making that choice to trust the Lord and not get over in the flesh and. Uh, Give people a piece of our mind. 2 Corinthians 2, 14. We're going to look at that. We've been redeemed from the fear of failure. Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. Sometimes causes us to triumph in Christ. Always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor of His knowledge by us in every place. Always, as long as we don't quit and give up. Amen? And that's a very important... Because we have a will. But as long as we don't quit and give up, He will always cause us to triumph. I don't know if you've heard the story about Abraham Lincoln... Uh, he he failed election after election yeah. after election after election. I mean, like seven or eight or something before he ever even won the first one. And it was like dog catcher or something like that. You know, I mean, it was just like garbage collector. I mean, it was like just nothing on a local level. And then after he won that one, he lost another one, and he lost another one, and he lost another one, and he lost another one before he won another one. And this pattern just went over and over till he was eventually elected president. But you know good and well, some of his friends and advisors somewhere along the way said, Abe, maybe you're just not cut out for politics. You know? They tried to talk him out of it. Well, praise God. He didn't listen. Amen? Amen. So not, not giving up has a lot. We give God something to work with. Amen? Uh, Joshua 1.8. We won't turn there, but it says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to, to do according to all that's written therein. For then 
you shall make your way prosperous, and you shall have good success. Everybody say good success. Good success. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. And Jeremiah 29.11, this is a good one from the NIV. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now is there one hint of failure in any of these verses? No. Not one hint. But boy, the devil, you know, he will bring things from the outside. And I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but but in Christ there is no failure. God has not made provision for us to fail. Amen? He's only made provision for good success. That's right. So when Satan gives you the opportunity to accept failure, pass it up. Okay? Mm-hmm. Don't take it. Fear of sickness. Even when people are healthy, if Satan can plant the fear of sickness in them and get them to start talking it and meditating on it, they'll draw it to them. Yeah. Just like just like Job. He, he drew all that calamity to himself. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. We know that one. That's our health protection plan. Surely, surely he hath borne our griefs or sicknesses and carried our sorrows, pain. Yet we did esteem him smitten, stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his wounds or bruises or stripes, we are healed. Amen? Case closed. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit here is painting a picture of what would happen at Calvary. Jesus implemented a health protection plan for us, and we don't have to fear sickness. Amen? Mark 16, 17, and 18. These signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Jesus has delegated to the believer authority over sickness and disease. Amen? So we don't have to fear sickness. Another common fear. This is really common. Fear of insufficiency. Now this is a big one that the devil uses. From a material point of view, there are no shortages in the earth. There's no shortage of food. There's no shortage of water. There's no shortage of money. There's no shortage of oil. There's no shortage of diamonds. You just go on and on and on. There are no shortages in the earth. You cannot tell me the God of this universe did not know how much resources to put on this earth to sustain the population for the amount of time they were going to be here. That is lunacy. The only shortages on this earth are man-made. And they're controlled by the men who are controlling the resources. They make shortages to keep the prices high. So that's the only... That's the only, and this deception is what brings the fear of insufficiency. But knowing God's word will put fear of insufficiency out of your life. John 10.10, 10, I have come that they might have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. That's the amplified translation. 2 Peter 1 verse 2, 
according as His divine power hath given us some things that pertain to life and godliness. Is that what it says? All things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. Luke 12, 7. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. Therefore, ye are more value than many sparrows. And verse 32, Jesus said again, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Amen? Twice in that chapter, Jesus said, Fear not. Hallelujah. Romans 8.32 He that spared not his only Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? Amen. So that doesn't sound like any insufficiency problem, does it? Amen. Hallelujah. So never let Satan's lie of shortage fill your heart with fear. Instead, meditate on God's promise of abundance and His provision for life and godliness. So how does Satan uh, use fear? Well, he pressures you with threats to uh, make you afraid to rely on God's Word. Now, that could all be summed up in one word, doubt. All of this is designed uh, doubt is, is designed to get you to come off God's Word and not believe it. And when God, um, when you got born again, God didn't give you another spirit that was going to produce fear just like the old one. You got a brand new spirit that doesn't produce fear. Now, that means Satan has got He's got to use your five physical senses. What you can see, what you can hear. Something from external stimuli uh, to feed fear into you through your five physical senses. So fear never comes from God. It always has to come from the out, outward uh, this physical, natural realm because Satan has been cast out of that spirit realm. He's a dead spirit. He has no authority in there anymore. He's, he's limited to this physical realm. So he's going to come at you with something you see, something you hear, something you read. It's got to come from outside. But your spirit is capable of housing that fear. Yeah. You know, It can house it, but it doesn't produce it. So that's the way he operates. I mean, in my, in my opinion, all this anti-prosperity, anti-faith crowd, at the, at the root of that is fear. At the root of that is fear. Because Satan is working on them, for one thing, with the spirit of insufficiency. He starts putting pressure, you know, uh, on the preachers because if they're... If they, if they don't know God's plan of prosperity, then God is not their source. People are their source. And so then they begin to work on people with fear and say, you better not go to those meetings. For blah, 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 blah. I know somebody that went to those meetings and this is what happened to them. 
So they began to put control the people with fear. You better not go to those meetings. Because if they get revelation and they move out of religion over into revelation, they're going to leave religion behind. And now the pastor is going to have trouble meeting his budget. Because if more people leave, now he's got fear. How am I going to meet my budget? How am I going to meet my budget? People are leaving. So it's all fear-based. That whole thing, I'm telling you, everything, everything Satan used is fear-based. I don't care who he uses. Of course he doesn't want us to have the money. You know, I mean, you know, people that have a dream and a vision of changing their, their community and, and driving the devil out of there and building buildings and, you know, bringing people up and getting them saved and all this, that's going to take money. You know, and the devil wants to keep the money housed up in the hands of the wicked. But I'm telling you, God's going to drain that money. Amen? He's going to drain it. And the Bible says He's going to give it to them that will have pity on the poor. Amen? And that's some of us in this room. Amen? Hallelujah. Uh, I heard about uh, Matt Hammond. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's a good preacher in America. But he had a man in his church that was in a really dead-end job, and he was believing God for a better job. So they prayed and believed, and, you know, a few months went by, and this man got a great offer for a new job. Guess what he did? He turned it down. Because he, he, he got, the devil got him over into reasoning, he got him out of faith, and he got him over into fear. And he started reasoning, and he thought, if I lose that job, now I don't have any job. So I'm better off to stay in a dead-end job that's secure than to take a better job that I might lose. <coughs> Why did he think he might lose it? Just fear, yeah. you know. Yeah. And that man, after having prayed and believed God, turned down the very thing that, that he prayed for. So this is just how Satan controls people. He, he tries to get fear to cause people to abandon their faith. He endeavors to make the consequences of the fear of failure so great and heavy in your mind that you will cow down to him and abandon your faith in God's Word. But we're not going to do that, amen? Because when you get revelation knowledge of how he operates then he's, got, he's on the back foot because he, he, uh, he can't control you anymore. And that's why he's afraid of. He's afraid of us, really. He is fear. I mean, he is fear. He's afraid of us. Now, let's, let's look at some steps to overcoming fear. Um, let's turn... Are, we, are you doing okay on time? Uh, Let's turn to Daniel. I can find it. here finding Don't you see, 
But in, anyway, I'm having trouble finding that. It's Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Yeah. 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 yeah, I just haven't gone far enough. Okay. Page 12 minutes for a second. Here we are. Yeah. I haven't gone far enough. And Daniel 3, you know the story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the king demanded that everyone was to bow down to this idol. And he says, if you don't bow down, uh, I'm going to throw you in the furnace and you're going to burn. So the king has made this threat. He's threatened them. If you don't bow down to me, I'm going to kill you. So how do they respond? Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve, He is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and He will deliver us from your hand, O King. So what happens when you start talking to the devil like that? And you refuse to bow down to his demands. He gets scared, doesn't he? He gets scared. You get top priority. Look what happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they refused to bow down to fear and and they refused to bow down to the demand. Verse 20. And the king commanded the most mighty men. You will get top priority. The devil's going to call out his top demons and assign them to you. He, He isn't going to bother with the little privates. You're going to get the generals assigned to you when you start refusing to bow down to fear. He called out the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. He said, these are not ordinary Christians. These are some of those faith, fanatic people. Amen? And we're calling out the generals in the army to deal with them. They know what God's promised them, and they're not going to back off of it. Amen? They don't believe my threats. They only believe what the Word says. Amen? Verse 27 and 28. And the princes, governors, captains, and kings, counselors, and the king's counselors, being gathered together, saw these men upon whose body the fire had no power, nor was any hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, for the smell of fire had nor the smell of fire had passed on them. If you don't bow, you don't burn. Amen? If you don't bow to Satan and his threats and his fear, he can't hurt you. Refuse to allow Satan to intimidate you with threats. When you refuse to compromise God's word and you refuse to cooperate with fear's demands, God will always deliver you and you will come out of that test and trial without even the smell of defeat on you. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Amen? Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Now, this 
Step two. So step one was refuse to cooperate with Satan. Step two is step out. Step out. Second Kings. Second Kings. I want you to leave here today with the knowledge you need to stay free from fear. Amen? And you come to the place where it doesn't matter what Satan threatens you with. I mean, I don't care if Al-Qaeda drops a 25-pound bag of anthrax on your door. It won't move you. Amen? Yeah. yeah. Hallelujah. Second <laughs> Kings 7. Now, you know this story probably. The city of Samaria was surrounded by their enemy. No food. Now, this is a man-made shortage. They cut off their food supply. And you know that's a common military strategies to cut off people's supplies. So this is like bad. People are eating their children. Okay? There are four lepers outside the gate. Now these lepers had the opportunity to be despondent. Uh, despondent means the loss of courage, the loss of confidence or hope. In other words, this was a hopeless situation in the natural. Verse 3 and 4. And there were four leprous men at the, at the entering in of the gate, and they said one to another, Why sit we here till we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we're going to die anyway. So, now therefore come and let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we're no, you know, we're going to die either way. If we sit here or we get up and move, yeah. we're still going to, you know, there's still a chance of dying. So why sit here till we die? We're going to get up and move. So, it, and this is the way the devil always presents something to you. He always presents two negative options. It looks like either way you go, I've had it. You know, and that's exactly what he did to these these men. If you stay here, you're going to die. If you go out there, the enemy's going to kill you. And so he always presents this lose-lose situation, you know, that no matter which way you go, you're going to be defeated. You've had it. But the Bible says God always provides a way of escape for us. Amen? Amen. So it suddenly occurred to them that the enemy had the food. So when they reached the enemy camp, you know, God caused the enemy to hear this huge army coming toward them, and it was only four men. But as a result, they all got up and they, they left. And they ran and they left all the food and all the gold and all their clothes and all the silver. And they, so, they not only got fed, they got rich. Amen? Hallelujah. So when you refuse to be paralyzed by fear and step out, God will deliver you, Satan will flee, and your needs will be met abundantly. Amen? So step out. Step out. Uh, Joyce Meyer has a good saying. She just says, do it afraid. 
Just do it afraid. Don't wait to the feeling of fear leaves you to step out. You can do something with the feeling of fear. You, you know, don't wait till that feeling uh, leaves. Just, just step out and do it afraid. Just get on that airplane afraid. You know, just whatever, whatever it is, step out and do it afraid. Number three, get mad. Let's look at First Samuel. First Samuel. First Samuel 17. We're all familiar with this story. You know the story of David and Goliath. And as Goliath steps forth on the battlefield to issue his challenge, you know his size uh, and his words were very daunting, very intimidating. I mean, they'd never seen a man this big before. And he, he didn't just have a big body, he had a big mouth. Yes. You know, he, he, you know, he uh, voiced this in a way that it made them fearful and cow, cow down. You know, he took advantage of his size and everything to cow these people down. And it worked. For six weeks, they were running back in their holes in fear. So it was working. It had paralyzed the entire army of Israel in fear. Fear always supported by something you can see or hear in the physical world. This is why Satan wants your eyes off the word and over onto something that you can see or hear. Now in verse 10 and 11, And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were encouraged and they had great faith. Is that what it says? They were dismayed and greatly afraid. Something they heard caused fear to come upon them. Words. So after six weeks of this, David arrives on the scene just in time to see and hear Goliath with this daily speech and he's taunting the army of Israel and it doesn't make David faint and run backwards he gets mad he gets mad about it and uh, verse 26 and David spake to the men of Israel that stood by him and said what shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God. David got mad at Goliath for defying the army of Israel. He got mad at the army for at the army. He got mad at Israel for listening to him and cowering down to his threats. He said, "Why are you listening to him? We have a covenant with God. He doesn't." You know, Goliath. Goliath had no covenant. So you know, Israel had a covenant with God. Why are you running from him? So David got mad, and he offered to do something about it. And in verse 32, David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Uh, verse 33, and, David, and Saul said to David, You're not able to go up against him, 
you better watch it. You're going to be in for a big fall. You better not step out and go up against this giant. He will make he, he will mash you like a bug. No, you're not able to. For, for you're just a youth. And he's a great man of war. He's an experienced military man. And you're just a little boy. You better not go up. You better watch it. You better, you better just, just, you know, take it easy. So instead of encouraging David, Saul discouraged him. He tried to talk him out of it. How many people try to talk you out of, you know, stepping out? You better watch it. You're going to be in for a big fall, you know. So Saul didn't encourage David. He discouraged him. So, uh... Uh, David goes on to say, well, you know, I kept my father's sheep and, and there came a lion and, you know, he the same God that delivered me from the bear and the lion, yeah. he yeah. will deliver me from this Philistine. Amen? Yeah. So, so uh, overcoming fear is often sometimes something you're going to have to do by yourself. Yeah. David had to do this by himself. Saul didn't encourage him. The army of Israel didn't encourage him. Nobody encouraged him. They were discouraging him. So, so this may be something you just have to stand up by yourself and, and you know, hang up the phone on all these people telling you you better watch it and you better not step out and you never know what God's going to do and you might fail this time. You know, He may have delivered you before, but He won't deliver you again. And He may have healed you before, but He won't heal you this time. How many times have you heard that? You know, He may have provided money for you, that, you know, here, but He won't provide it this time. I mean, this is a thousand pounds. I mean, you know, this isn't 30 pounds. He may have provided 30 pounds, but He can't provide a thousand. On and on and on and on. So this is, this is, you know, even Satan will use godly people sometimes that you respect to reinforce your fear. So just be on the lookout. But David takes up the charge anyway and refuses to be discouraged by Saul's words. He resists fear by getting mad at the enemy. And when you recognize fear is operating in you, rise up and get mad that that fear would have the audacity to try to occupy your heart and mind. It doesn't belong to us. It's a foreign force. It should be a foreign force to a believer. But it is so natural to most people. You know, they don't understand that, that it's a spiritual force. They don't understand how Satan uses it. They, they don't think it's possible to live in this world without fear. They just don't think it's possible. But it is possible. God's made a way. It's, it's not normal for us to live in fear. But for many believers... It's normal. It's just as normal to them as it is an unsaved person. And it ought not be that way. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Uh, we won't turn there, but in Psalm 2, verse 4, it says God laughs at His enemies. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, you know, Brother Hagen used to say, laugh at the devil. When He comes at you, just ha, 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 ha on the devil. And just do it till you get over into... Joy, and you can laugh at the devil because that throws the devil in confusion. He's not expecting you to laugh at, uh, at your situation. He's putting. You, he's not expecting you. He wants you to wring your hands. Oh, what are we going to do this time? 
Oh, I wonder, you know, oh, what are we going to do this time? He doesn't want you laughing at him. He's a creature of pride. He doesn't like to be laughed at. He wants you to take him seriously. And when you get to where you don't take him seriously, you say, huh, you know, that's an insult to him. So laugh at the enemy. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Yes. Oh, well, I did one day slam the door in his face. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, you yeah, well, use I, this I, to I slam on him. Amen? I saw an angel that was not an angel of God. Yeah. You know, mm. Mm. there was something that was quite... I thought, oh, he's upside down. Well, there was a rod, does he? <laughs> I went outside and I came back and I just slammed the door. Yeah, <laughs> just, just laugh at the devil. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Just right. don't take him seriously. He's a liar. Now, number four. Remember your past victories. This is what David did to conquer Goliath. He remembered his past victories. Verse 34. You know, when when I fought the, the lion and the bear, God delivered me from them. I'm remembering the last time God delivered me. If He delivered me from a lion and a bear, He can deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. Amen? uh, And when the devil tried to kill you with that brain tumor, or, you know, uh, you knew knew it was God's will to heal you. I knew the word. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't wait. It was going off inside me all the time. Yeah. And And every time anybody said anything negative, I just dismissed it. Amen. Amen. I am in a battle now. Mm. Every single day, some paralysis or something, something similar comes on me, like symptoms of what I had Mm. before, Mm -hmm. you know, when I was paralyzed. And he's trying to get fear in you again. He's trying to get fear in me, Mm. but Mm. I go straight and back into my memory of, of the Word mm-hmm. and I start speaking it. Amen. If it's not convenient for people, I just say it under my breath. Mm-hmm. And particularly this hand and arm, which um, my flesh uses it all the time to mm-hmm. make me think that I'm going to be paralyzed mm-hmm. again. No. Amen. That's not. just a lie. I'm not, you see. No. I, and I... That's how I was able to come today. Amen. I I started getting worried yesterday about it. Mm, mm. Now when my foot, I'm eating my dinner, my foot falls out of my hand, and I end up throwing the food gets thrown over the table. I mean that's right when you're in your own home, but if you're in a restaurant, it's quite embarrassing. Mm, yeah. mm. And that's the kind of thing that's happening mm. to me. And I know it's a devil mm, trying mm. to steal from me. Mm. She's doing a good job, aren't you? Mm. <laughs> yeah, she's, she knows what to do, though. Yeah. Amen. Listen, that lady, yeah. speak to that lady who had the brain tumor the size of a large apple, and now because I've given her the word, she's received it. He's, he's getting she's got you. a, a tumor the size of a small cherry. Yeah. 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 Mm. And all the time that's happening. You know, well, you know people are listening. Press on, press on, press on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, she knows what. You got to block it. You know what to do. But, but the same God that delivered you from a headache will deliver you from something bigger. Yes. 
you know. So, so it, you're, you're remembering your past victories. Every time God came through for you, every time He healed you, every time He provided for you, you're calling on those past victories over the lion and the bear. And you know God will deliver you from whatever else the devil tries to bring against you. Amen. He says, He will deliver me. So now Saul sees the anointing of God rising up on him. He says, Go, 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 go get him. Amen. The Lord, He will deliver you. So, David's perspective was, This giant is no different from a bear and a lion. And we've got to say, you know, uh, a thousand pounds is no different from fifty pounds, you know, or a hundred thousand pounds is no different from a thousand pounds, or a headache's no different from cancer, you know. Uh, the the same God that delivered me once, He will deliver me again. Yeah. But this is knowing your covenant. This is not letting God back you off the Word of God. You know what the Word says. You know God's Word is true. And you know Satan is challenging it. And he's trying to put plant doubt in your mind that you cannot rely on God's Word. That's the whole, that's the whole thing. So, sit down and make a long list of things God has done for you in the past. And when fear tries to come in, get out your list and just read them off to the devil. You know, just read them out and, and just remind yourself of God's faithfulness. Amen? Amen? Number five, talk to your fear. You're going to have to talk to fear because fear is going to talk to you. You've got to talk to it. Hallelujah. You don't command thoughts with thoughts. You command thoughts with words. Verse 44, and the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give you thy flesh into the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field. What's he trying to do? Fear. Fear. You, better, you better go back and join your buddies in the hole. You come out here against me, I'm going to cream you. you know. He's trying to put fear into him with threats. He's threatening him to feed his carcass to the, to the birds. He's, he's not, not even saying he's going to do it. He's just threatening to do it. Trying to put fear in him. So did David shut up and go back to his hole? No. David talks back to him. Verse 45. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. He's saying, You're coming at me with something natural. You're coming to me with, with a sword and a spear and something out here in this natural realm against me. I'm not coming against you with natural things. I'm coming against you with faith. I'm coming against you with God's Word. I'm coming against you with spiritual things. Our weapons are, are mighty through God. Our weapons are not natural, but they are, they're not carnal. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So, so David talked back to him. He, he said, I, uh, he started telling Goliath what he was going to do to him. He goes on to say, today, today the Lord will deliver you into my hands. You're not going to scare me. Today he's going to deliver you into my hands. And I'm going to feed your carcass to the fowls of the air. I'm going to feed your carcass to the... You know, he's turned the tables on him. 
He's told him he's going to do to Goliath everything Goliath said he was going to do to him. He just turned the tables on him and he started talking back to that fear and he started talking back to his circumstances. And when the devil says, where are you going to get the money to pay that bill? You're going to say, unpaid bills, you know, lack. How dare you defy the army? You know, how dare you defy me as a believer? You know, I'm a tither, I'm a giver. You're not going to put fear into my life. You're not coming near me. I refuse to live in lack. You say, no, Satan, we're not having it that way. Amen? You start saying, no, Satan, we're not having it that way. You start talking back to your circumstances like David talked to Goliath. You say to that paralysis, how dare you defy the temple of the living God? You, that doesn't belong to me. I'm not having it back on my body. You, you try to send that against me. I'm not having it. Amen. You leave my body now. You can't kill me. Amen. Hallelujah. You declare the works of the Lord. Hallelujah. So, so you say, devil, you're not running me out of my house. I'm running you out of my house. Amen. You got to talk back. You got to talk back to fear. Number six, don't run away from fear, run toward it. Verse 48, And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and David drew nigh, and, and he came and drew nigh to meet David, that David ran backwards and he started hiding behind the bushes and he, 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 he avoided Goliath and he sneaked back around the bushes back to the hole where all the Israelites were. Is that what it says? Did he run away from Goliath? No. It says David hastened and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. It doesn't say he ran from Goliath. It doesn't say he stood there paralyzed and did nothing. It says he, he ran toward him. Verse 50. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Well, he had a sword in his mouth. I'm telling you what, that's when the, that's the two-edged sword. It's when the Word of God comes out of your mouth. And I mean, that will, that will beat the physical sword any time. Amen? So when fear starts coming toward you, you run toward it. And you put the Word of God in your mouth and you sling it at Him just like David took that rock and slung it at Goliath. Amen? Yeah. This is, this is a, the Word in our sling. And our mouth is a sling that slings it. Amen? Yes. We got the spiritual sling and a natural sling. Hallelujah. You're going to say, Fear, it's written. No evil shall befall me, neither shall any plague come near my dwelling. For the Lord has given His angels charge over me, and they keep me in all of my ways, and in my pathway is life, and there is no death. Amen? That's what you got. You got to say, I'm far from oppression, and fear does not come near me. That's Isaiah 54. Put those words in your mouth. I will not live and die, but declare the works of the Lord. Amen? Hallelujah. Verse 51. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath therefore and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. They ran. David cut Goliath's head off 
He's making sure this giant is never getting up again. Amen? I'll never have to deal with this again. Amen? Hallelujah? And that's what we've got to do. When you've knocked fear in the head with the Word of God, you cut its head off and make sure it never gets back and comes back in your life. And that's what you're doing right now, Ann. You're making sure that thing is not coming back in your life. Amen? It ain't going to... Rise up and come yeah. back anymore. Yeah. Amen? Amen? What's that scripture in uh, Nahum? Um, uh, this affliction shall not arise the second time. Mm-hmm. You get, get on that scripture. Yeah. I think it's Nahum 1 9, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, that affliction shall not arise the second time. Mm-hmm. So you, you get on that. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. When all the other demons see that you have defeated their champion, they're going to flee. Just like the Philistines ran. When they saw Goliath was dead, they said, we are out of here, man. And when the demons see that their champion of fear has been defeated in your life, they are going to run the other way. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Did you get something out of that? Amen. Hallelujah. When David actually slew Goliath, threw 